Hello and welcome to this latest uh, Master Investor podcast. I'm Jonathan Davis and today I'm uh, very pleased to be joined by Ben Crawford, who is the CEO of an AIM listed company called Central Nick. Now, you won't possibly tell immediately from the uh, from the name of the company, unless you are a, a bit of a, a bit of a techno nerd, I suppose exactly what it does. So, um, before we start, Ben, I'm going to ask you if you could just give us a little bit of a brief potted history of the company and uh, how long it's been going and how long it's been listed and so on and uh, uh, how long you've been involved yourself. Thanks for having me, Jonathan. Yes, the history of Central is very interesting. It started as a UK innovation back in the 1990s as the first uh, network information center, hence Central NIC, uh, Network Information Center, um, to be privately owned to manage multiple domain names. And um, so quite a technical uh, uh, and specialist company. I joined it uh, back in January of 2009 after having a um, uh, 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 being involved in two roll-up strategies before that and New York-based one uh, uh, around the media industry and prior to that one uh, based in London around the sports industry which was funded by Stuart Newton the the well-known fund manager who was on a hiatus after selling his original fund to to um, Mellon Bank and um, uh, and so when I joined uh, it was it was uh, in the midst of the subprime crisis and the business that I was involved in in New York, the media business, uh, we were having to shut down a lot of our operations, but Centralink was hiring because uh, it had a business model that was uh, incredibly resilient to economic downturns uh, because the, the, uh, the products that it sold were subscription products. They were low-cost products and they were products needed by every company that wanted to be online. Uh, and if, um, if you give up using the product they're selling, domain names, it means your email stops working, your website goes down. So it's pretty much the last cost saving that any company makes. And, um, and yes, yeah, so happily they were hiring and there was a big opportunity on the horizon, which was the introduction of new top-level domain names. So there had been, back since the 1980s, there'd been .com, .net, .org. And then during the 1980s, each of the countries had got their country code. So .co.uk for the UK, .fr for France and so on. And uh, this was the first window um, uh, uh, when new top-level domains were going to be introduced. And so we, we threw ourselves into it and signed up to be the technical partner of a large number of entrepreneurs. We won 60 contracts to launch new top-level domain names with the business plan of flooding the market with low-cost, low high-quality domain names to compete with .com and .co.uk and hopefully take a lot of market share from them. And on the back of those 60 contracts that I won, we IPO'd back on AIM in, in 2013. So we had the technical solution, we had the contracts, we had the dream of disrupting .com and .co.uk and taking over the internet. And, um, and so that's how, that's how the company started and we got onto AIM. Uh, so, that was, so that was back in, uh, in 2013, I think. And, uh, yeah. So at this point, you had a still a relatively small business, I imagine, at that stage, uh, certainly compared to now. Uh, and it was, uh, I mean, it was a very, as you say, uh, 
a steady business, but it was uh, you, you, you were ambitious for growth at that point, uh, but it remained a pretty uh, a, a low growth business, does it not? It, well, look, when, when we were private, we dividend out all of our profits every year and the shareholders would buy new cars and it was a, yeah, it, it, it was a great lifestyle business for the shareholders, but they realised there was something bigger, there was a bigger opportunity, which is why they brought me in. And, um, and indeed, there's proven to be, as we think the year we IPO, the year before, we had $3 million of revenues and... Um, and we're currently on $600 million revenues, roughly as a run rate. So, um, so yeah, we've come a long way and, um, and done that through a combination of organic growth, but also uh, uh, quite a number of acquisitions as well. So, and I'll have just on one point, Pastor, before we, we go on to talk about that. Um, I mean, I think it's, you're an Australian, I think it's fair to say. And, uh, I and I think you, uh, uh, and you run this sort of, what is now sort of current company operates in many countries. And I think you're based in uh, in the Middle East, are you not? Is that right? According yeah, I'm to, in Dubai. In Dubai, yeah. right. Okay. So, and, and just in terms of yourself, I mean, your, your background is, uh, I mean, you've been a, a, an entrepreneur, would you describe yourself or as a, as a, as a no, no, manager, I, business manager, or are you, you know, marketing, yeah. what's your, what's your particular? Sure. Figure? So I was, I was a, I was a journalist and then moved into management in media. Uh, happily, I was trained in the very hard school of uh, Australian media dominated by the likes of and Kerry yeah. Pack. Yeah. And, um, and so uh, 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 after that, uh, when the internet, well, and so I worked in print, then I worked in, in satellite television, and then when the internet started, I was um, fortunate to win some very large contracts. This is back in Australia first with Microsoft, um, a multi-million dollar con content uh, contract back in the mid-1990s, and then with IBM to run the uh, content, the marketing for the website for the Sydney Olympic Games. So I was a, uh, which turned out to be the highest traffic website of the 20th century. Um, quite a feat then, but obviously I'd say, I'd say there's many a website today that does that as much traffic as we did in two weeks in about five minutes. But um, it was a very exciting time and it, uh, uh, to, to pioneer the internet. And it was one of the kind of highest earning websites too, in terms of advertising and e-commerce and ticket sales and so on. So it really threw me in the deep end. And after that, I moved to the UK, continued to work in sports and media. And then, as I mentioned, uh, Stuart Newton acquired our company, um, Sport Business Group. And, and I guess it was under his tutelage that I started to learn about mergers and acquisitions and acquiring companies. And then I went and joined um, uh, Louise McBain, a, a New York-based entrepreneur who also had built a phenomenal business called Trader.com through through acquisitions, and ha and had IPO'd that on Nasdaq. And so again, uh, learnt learnt uh, uh, met many a uh, uh, tricks of the trade and whatever from from another really super accomplished expert in in roll-up strategies. But then uh, uh, working in the media in New York and in, in at, uh, uh, at the time of the subprime crisis was was not was not pretty. And so I, I moved into this 
100% recurring revenue business, which obviously uh, uh, is, is a great place to be in times of economic uh, 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 uncertainty. And so, so I mean, that, that, just, that's to, just to point out this, you, I mean, you've basically been, uh, you've been effectively uh, involved in the internet business since the, almost from the very beginning, in fact, so you've seen the whole journey through the TMT bubble and then through uh, consolidation, through the arrival of the, the big platforms and so on, and uh, the astonishing growth of, of Amazon, Google and Facebook and all the rest of them. Um, and uh, you're happily, uh, I guess, a business that is, uh, that is effectively, um, you know, making money out of the growth of that uh, whole digital economy. Uh, and doing it in a, and starting in a very kind of small but uh, you know sort of pennies in front of a steamroller type business and uh, growing it through acquisition to something which is much larger today. Yes, that's exactly right. So so today we've ended up well, we really have have businesses in 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 two particular areas. One is around um, providing the basic tools for companies all over the world to get their own part of the internet. So that's their web address, their website, their email, and so on. Very basic tools, but uh, uh, the, the great benefit there is one, it's just driven by the growth of the internet, by companies going online, or, or, or these days by, by digital native companies being created. And, um, and, and all of the products that are sold in order to enable people to get online in that way are subscription products. And so it's a, um, a very highly predictable, growing, recurring revenue business. And, and our model in that, that is building a marketplace. And that we'll get onto marketplaces later because the second marketplace we have is our uh, online marketing services. So these are services that either if once you have your website, if that website's attracting a lot of traffic, so say it's a blog or a video site or a gaming site and so on, we can help you monetize that traffic by placing ads on your site and allowing um, people when they finished reading what they have to read to click off and go and buy something from someone else. Or if you're on the other side, if you're trying to acquire customers online, either selling online like an e-commerce company or like the millions of other companies that promote themselves online, be they dentists, doctors, lawyers, roofers, and so on. They're not actually selling online, but they need to use the internet to acquire customers. We offer a suite of tools there too. And we have many competitive advantages in that particular space. But one of the key ones is we're very much platform neutral, which means that we, uh, the, as the platforms grow, we grow, we thrive. So if the traffic's all um, moving from Facebook to TikTok, great for us because we can we can acquire customers on Facebook or TikTok. Um, we're not tied to any particular platform. And so it's proven to be a hugely resilient business model. And again, because whether you're, you're selling traffic or you're acquiring customers, you want a continuous stream of new customers or of revenues and so because all of our clients are very interested in recurring revenue, the effect is that, so, that, that we get that benefit as well. So we equally have a, a very attractive recurring revenue model on our online marketing business as well. Okay, so now you had a very successful year last year. You reported some exceptionally good figures last year in terms of uh, profitability and uh, revenue growth. Um, 
But I guess the uh, there's been a we'll talk about that a little bit more. But there's been a step change in the nature of the business, as you've said, since you moved into this into the marketing area in particular. And I think that that's quite a recent um, development. I think 2019 was when you when you made your big move into that area. Um, uh, correct me if I'm wrong about that. Um, that's correct. And I guess the question might be, and you've and since then you've added lots more through acquisitions. Um, I suppose the question I might ask you first, or rather tongue in cheek, before we talk about the success, is well, what took you so long to get into that particular business? Uh, well, we we'd had our eyes on a particular business we really liked for some years, but um, uh, we were just uh, struggling to get get our foot in the door, and and eventually we did. Um, it, it it was bad luck for the for the uh, owners because they got into some financial distress and then suddenly they became willing sellers, and um, and we were able to acquire this company Team Internet that we'd um, we we'd known for a long time and really sought after. And when we and that and that was a real connector for us because that was a company very very involved in the domain name and web presence business but also in the online marketing business. And so that kind of created a bridge for us across into this, um, this, this uh, new area of online marketing. And to explain like, why, why is this a much faster growth business? The entire sector is much faster growing. So domain, the web presence of domain names and websites is about a 30 odd billion dollar business growing at you know, low single digit percentages a year. The online marketing business is a roughly $450 billion business growing at north of 20% a year. And so um, not surprisingly, the more exposure we have to that, suddenly it changes our, our organic growth profile. I'd say, yeah, it, it was, um, uh, there, there, there've also been some, I'd say even some, some changes in our shareholding since we moved into that, because there obviously were some investors that were very, very wedded to the incredibly predictable, but low growth uh, uh, online presence business. But um, uh, obviously there's, there's a lot more excitement um, when you can move from sub 5% growth to north of 50% growth organically in the space of three years. Clearly, there's there's a lot to get excited about, and the and the beauty of the business is we have a number of other very investable qualities. Obviously, the recurring revenues that I mentioned, but also we have cash conversion of only over a hundred percent from from our adjusted EBITDA number, and um, and that's true across all of our businesses. And so um, we're really a you know, cash generating machine, and and suddenly generating an awful lot more than we ever did before. Indeed. I mean, if one looks at some of the numbers, I mean, I'm just looking at some historic figures here. I mean, in 2018, you had a total revenue about $56 million. And last year, it was uh, over 400. Uh, and I certainly the forecast I've seen, you know, uh, for this year, have it uh, analysts talking about it going to, you know, 550 or more even this year. So that is strong growth of the top line. Um, yep. And uh, but last year was the first time you made a kind of uh, a serious uh, big change in your profitability in terms of operating profit anyway. Um, and so um, why you've explained part of the reason for this, but why, given the underlying you know, change in the nature of the business towards this more profitable, uh, faster growing area, um, 
what was the trigger that's turned you from uh, making small operating losses to, to, to operating profits? Uh, well, I think, I, I, I mean, it's got a lot just to do with, um, with with the scale of the business versus the scale of the acquisitions. And so, um, uh, obviously, we always focused investors on our adjusted EBITDA number because clearly we felt that, uh, um, that that was a excellent reflection of the true underlying profitability of the business. And indeed, the proof of that was it matched very closely the amount of free cash flow that we generated. Um, the operating profit was often just distorted by, um, by, by amortization, uh, which related to acquisitions. So when you buy a company, you need to allocate the, uh, the, the purchase price to various um, intangible assets, which then need to be depreciated or amortized rather uh, um, through the balance sheet. And that's... Uh, uh, and it's an odd quirk of accounting because you never have to replace those assets with so so there's never any cash that needs to be spent again it's already been spent in the acquisition and so we felt that that essentially just distorted the operating profits as were reported but as we've we and and continue to but as we've scaled up then obviously the uh, um and the acquisitions become a play a smaller role um, than the existing operating businesses then that has allowed the operating profit and to 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 jump up from exactly break even to 10 million dollars so so significant increase indeed it is so i mean i think this is i guess this partly also speaks to um you know the uh, the awareness of the company and understanding of the company uh, out in the uh, analyst community I, you have more analysts covering the company now uh, and um, and you're engaged in obviously some active marketing uh, to get across this uh, strong message um, I mean I guess there's uh, some investors are put off by you know companies are highly acquisitive there have been some well-known issues with those over the years um, but as you say yours is uh, backed up by uh, significant cash generation and and the nature of the business is very different from some of those uh, acquisition mining companies. So what can we expect looking forward? Uh, what can you say about the coming year? Well, um, uh, in the past 12 months, we've recorded 53% organic growth. And, um, and this is obviously against a background in the last quarter of a huge amount of, uh, of different factors that have introduced uncertainty into the market around inflation, around the labor market, around you know uh, um, unpredictability from central banks, around obviously the the, the war in the Ukraine and uh, um, continuing trade wars and uh, uh, and so on. So lots and lots of external factors that could impact on us. But if we could, and as I'm sure we would all love to, move all of those factors aside, um, we have no reason why that kind of growth, uh, our 50% growth um, cannot proceed. Um, the, and the reason for this is, is this. We're, we're addressing a $450 billion market. And, um, and if we continue to grow at 50% a year, uh, we could reach the year 2030 and still have less than 1% market share. So the opportunity is so huge and growing so fast that, um, that, that, that we have an enormous amount of runway ahead of us. Now that said, obviously, 
um, neither we nor anyone else is actually throwing that number out saying that's the growth we're going to have because of all of these external factors. We need to build that risk in and we feel like the analysts have done a good job of building that risk into the forecast. But uh, uh, you know, we all hope that, that uh, none of those factors are going to impact on us or anyone else as badly as some people are predicting. I'd say I, you know, uh, uh, and there's a couple of other factors here too that are quite important. One is a move to online privacy. Um, so this is obviously changes like GDPR, but also policies coming from Google and Apple um, that they want to restrict third-party cookies, which means people, companies collecting private data about, about individuals and selling it. Happily, our company has never, never got involved in any of those activities. Uh, our technology is completely different. It uses big data, it uses artificial intelligence, it uses what's called contextual marketing. So what we do is for an advertiser, someone that wants to sell something online, we don't sell you data of customers. What we do is say, look, um, we uh, as we've um, placed ads over 100 million websites over, over more than a decade. We've collected so much data about where to put ads for different products and where it works that we can predict very accurately where to get the best customers from by placing your ads on the internet. And so this new technology is really falling into a lot of favor these days because um, essentially because privacy invading alternatives are falling out of favor. Yeah, that's a very important point. And I think uh, so potentially that is an opportunity for you to, to gain some market share, presumably, as well as, uh, as just continue the underlying growth. Absolutely. And we feel and, and we feel we certainly are. I'd say the other the other really key point is marketplaces that I mentioned earlier. This has been our model in our first business and is now a model in our second business. And the principle is relatively simple that if you enter a market and you buy a number of companies and each one of those has different customers and different suppliers, but then you can merge them together, all of the suppliers can sell to all the customers. And if in the middle, you actually have very smart technology, so it's not just an introduction agency, but you're actually adding a lot of value through artificial intelligence, through fraud pre prevention, um, and so on, you can actually increase the growth of those businesses to make them higher than any of these individual businesses was able to achieve on its own. We've done that with the online presence business, which is, which is uh, now growing at 9%, much higher than any of the businesses we ever bought. But in the online marketing business, we've done the same thing to, to obviously enormous effect where we bought businesses growing at 10% a year and put them together and have something growing at more than 50% a year. But exactly the same principle, but in this case, it's different sources of online traffic so where people are surfing the internet, exclusive rights to websites, non-exclusive rights to others, our own media buying team, and now our own publications all on the internet. And then, and then on the, what's called the demand side, the people that actually write the checks, the advertisers, access to the various different large platforms, which the advertisers use to buy ads on, as well as direct to advertising agencies and media buying agencies. And that gives us a large number of alternatives of buyers of traffic, 
so we can sell the traffic and essentially where we where we're getting to is being able to auction the traffic and find here's a great customer <laughs> who, who's willing to pay the most for them is it a big online retailer is it a big online uh, uh, advertising platform or could it be a brand in their own advertising agency all of all of whom we are now connecting up in our system and that's a very significant driver of our organic growth okay and so um how dependent then for the future growth is this company on making further acquisitions? Obviously, you've completed one earlier this year uh, where you were able to uh, do a placing and fund it through uh, equity issuance and, and, uh, uh, and also some debt. Um, how, what should we expect from you in terms of acquisitions? Are you still hungry for more and do you need more in order to sustain the kind of growth rates that you're now talking about? Well, well, the growth rates I've talked about now, the organic growth rates, um, the, the inorganics sits on top of that. And, um, and look, uh, would it be possible for us to stop acquiring now? Of course, um, we're, not, we're not in any way dependent on continued acquisitions to, um, to sustain our organic growth, but we'd be fools to, I think, because there's a much greater opportunity to make a more robust business. Um, the more partners you have, the, exactly, the more suppliers and the more customers you have, the more robust your business model is, the less dependent you are on any particular customer or supplier. So I think um, continuing to make acquisitions makes us a stronger and better company. Uh, we, we're already global in that we have customers in every country in the world uh, where we can legally do business. But there's um, there's plenty of opportunities out there to to get more critical mass in high growth markets around the world, uh, which we would love to have. I think um, we've been very clear to to investors for many years now that there's a very attractive consolidation play where the um, value of a consolidated marketplace group compared to individual businesses which may have some revenue and customer concentration. Yeah, uh, is 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 vastly more attractive and 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 a better investment. So uh, it's a direction we absolutely intend to continue down. When it comes to financing, uh, yeah, we we raised money in the week one of the Ukraine invasion. We were oversubscribed. Um, we then went to the debt market as well, which we'd always planned to um, to to supplement that. And again, we're oversubscribed there. It's a um, it's uh, 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 we have a lot of support, and and you can understand why. I think we're we're still very much undervalued com uh, uh, compared to peers uh, listed in the United States, in particular. Um, and so and so those who are familiar with our areas of operation and co and comparables in other countries can see that you know we continue to be an excellent investment. Uh couple more questions for you, Ben, and then uh, I think we can wrap this up. It's been very interesting. Um, uh, first of all, on the issue of peer groups, I mean, who do who should one compare you to in terms of, you know, global competitors? You say, obviously, you've got a very, you're a very small share of a very large market. Um, who, who are the, the, the peers that you perhaps uh, benchmark yourself against or, or even look up to, perhaps? Well, I mean, obviously, we look up to Google, 
um, that's our, <laughs> that, yeah, that, that's uh, our inspiration every day. Um, but uh, uh, look, uh, in terms of listed companies in the domain name space, there are companies like uh, Two Cows uh, on NASDAQ, uh, Verisign on NASDAQ, and um, GoDaddy uh, are all, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, great success stories. Um, I'd say Two Cows uh, um, is suffering a little bit at the moment, but that's because it diversified into um, into into a particular telco technology domestically within Canada, and so it, it, it's kind of its fortunes are tied to that. Um, on the on my marketing side, I think particularly interesting is a company called System One, which recently IPO'd on Nasdaq through a SPAC, and. Um, and and there's many similarities between their business and our and our online marketing business, but um, I guess so. So if you said we had two cows and and system one, and we kind of combine the two together, uh, that yeah, you know, and and both of those parts of the business we could see growing growing into easily billion dollar revenue uh, um, businesses in in years to come. Uh, there's there's plenty of market there. There's plenty of potential acquisitions there, and there and certainly uh, there's there's plenty of blue sky ahead of us. The final question was just on the balance sheet. The uh, I, you've got some plans to refinance your debt, I think, or you're hoping to refinance some of your debt. And uh, what is your kind of long term strategy for for the balance sheet and for the amount of debt you have on uh, showing on there? Uh, well, we raised the debt back in um, 2019, which was a bad year to be raising um, raising equity on AIM as a small cap because that was uh, uh, you know, the year of the, the, the election of the start of the trade war between the US and China and, and of course, of um, Woodford. Um, and so we decided to go to the European debt market and issue a bond in Norway. Uh, we were a kind of first-time bond issuer, pretty much unknown in 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 Europe, and yet we we were able to raise enough money to do four acquisitions that year, which really transformed the company. And we've done a couple of tap issues since then. Uh, the current uh, coupon rate is is seven percent. So each time we did a tap issue, we actually were able to raise raise a, a debt at a premium from the, the, the par value of the bond, which meant that the effective rate being received by the investors was 4.5%. So that's given us an awful lot of confidence that we can refinance it at a, at a, at a lower um, coupon than the, we are currently. Um, we peaked at about 2.5 times net debt to EBITDA when we did our last acquisition back in 2019 and have since then um, uh, just as we always said we would um, have improved our debt position continuously since then so that our current net debt is below the EBITDA number in the market now for this year. So we've dropped from 2.5 times to below one times. Uh, we've got $85 million of cash um, currently in the bank. So, um, oh, in fact, more, excuse me, 90.6 million. Um, so um, uh, we feel like very comfortable uh, uh, um, with, with our level of debt. 
uh, when we refinance, we expect to drop the coupon rate. Um, but we we understand very clearly that there's a segment of A-market investors that are uncomfortable with higher net debt to EBITDA ratios. And so, you know, we're very sensitive to them. And if we did have to go up again, we would continue, to, you know, we would improve our position every day until we came back to the current the current levels. But with equity market support, with all the cash on our balance sheet and so on, we're, we're not expecting to ha have a future spike in debt at this stage. Okay, so uh, I think that brings us uh, to the end. I mean, it's been very interesting talking to you, uh, fascinating business, and uh, obviously been very successful in the last uh, couple of years. Uh, your company has been nominated, uh, shortlisted, I should say, for the uh, Small Company Awards, which uh, uh, is a splendid uh, achievement. Um, and you've talked positively about the, the outlook for this company, the growth outlook. What, uh, uh, how far do you think you can take this company and what are, what are the main risks is it, uh, as, you, as you grow, if you continue growing at this, at this pace? Well, I, I think, as you pointed out, we've, uh, this company has coexisted with some of the most awesome competitors that anyone's ever competed against. We've got Facebook trying to tell people, hey, you don't need a, your own website just take a Facebook page. We've got Amazon saying, hey, you don't need your own website, just set up an Amazon store. We've got Apple and Google saying, you don't need your own website, use an app. And yet we're growing and we've continued to grow and our sector's grown and we're growing fast. Um, so it would be very hard to imagine companies that are better <laughs> than the ones I just mentioned uh, emerging out of the woodwork. Um, I think we've really undergone a test of, of fire year after year and been able to, to grow through all of that. So, um, and, and I think as, as you've heard, we're very, very attentive to making a robust business plan where we're able to um, succeed come what may. We also have a big focus on innovation and staying on top of market trends to ensure that we're never left behind. And, um, and I'd say so far, so good. We, we continue to, to, to operate in that same vein. So where does that, where, where will that take us? Um, you know, I, I guess uh, uh, all those companies I mentioned were the size we are once. <laughs> so I, I, uh, I, I, I view, yeah, I'd say there's plenty of milestones ahead, but I don't see any, I don't see any uh, kind of um, terminal uh, uh, value or revenues for us. Well, uh, let's hope that's the case. I'm sure it will be. Uh, so thank you very much, Ben, for spending this time with us. It's been very uh, fascinating. And I wish you uh, every success uh, from here. Thanks very much, Jonathan. Great talking to you.